Welcome to the Queer Confidence Podcast, the podcast to help you become your most confident queer self. I'm your host, he, she, they, Coach Alex Ray, and I haven't always been this confident. In fact, I used to be super insecure. And through this show, I want to share with you what's worked for me, my clients, and my guests so that you can become more confident. Hello, unicorns! What are we doing today? (laughs) I'm really just excited. I I wanted to use the word titillated there for a moment. I don't know if I really fully understand that word. Maybe I'm using it wrong. But just like, I feel all tingly and excited to share this episode with you. Because (laughs) this has been kind of a long time coming now. Um... When this episode comes out, I think it will be about two months since I broke up with the guy that I told you all about on the podcast that I've talked about on social media. Uh, He and I met back in August last year. No, not August, September, a week after I decided to move to San Diego um, and then started dating in February last year. And then I broke up with him in May. two and a half weeks after I moved here or maybe eh, maybe maybe it was three weeks whatever (laughs) but like I knew oh I knew the ship was sinking way earlier than that and uh you know sometimes we just stick things out so it's really fun to be able to share this with you today I'm going to give you all the behind the scenes I'm going to tell you um you know a lovely one-sided story because this is my podcast um and he can tell it if he had a podcast he could tell his side but you're gonna get mine (laughs) um i'm sure he has a different version of events right there are always two sides or more to every story so um i don't want to villainize him i just you know he did do some shitty things um and i did some shitty things but um you know, I, I do look at us both as like, we're human, we're not perfect. Yes, we fucked up. Yes, we did things that hurt each other um, un- intentionally and unintentionally. Um, and that was part of the reason that I never, uh, never shared publicly like his name or anything because I didn't want to, um, you know, in the event that we broke up, I live a fairly public life and I didn't want any of the backlash to come back on him. So it's really not important who he is. What is important here is that you take some lessons from my experience here. Um, you find ways in your own dating life that maybe you've done some similar bullshit and that you laugh along the way because my friend, I have got some funny ass stories for you today. Uh, particularly at the end, I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna share with you the last time uh, he tried to have sex with me. <laughs> Just get ready; it's a fun story. So, um, <laughs> all right. Were there any other? I'm I'm gonna look at my notes real quick here. Y'all know I don't even follow notes frequently but for this one there's so much shit to cover i want to take a look and make sure that i'm not missing anything else i wanted to include in that introduction um but you know if you are wondering what happened you thought it was going so great well yeah there's like the side of things that we talk about on social media and 
then there's the side of things that's really going on. And, um, you know, not that I intended to be deceptive. I really honestly thought things were going better than they were. Um, and my nervous system knew better than I did and was like constantly shutting down and being like, fuck no. And I was like, oh no, I really think this is going to work out. So, you know, if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know, like a couple months ago, I intended to have him on the podcast one day. <laughs> Obviously, that's not happening. <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't know what else to say about that other than you and me both, my friend. We both thought it was going better than it was. <laughs> okay, so here's the first thing I want to actually uh I, just some gratitude I have for the relationship. Um, and that has to do with polyamory. And the neat thing is, on this podcast, I'd already, like, before he and I had even dated, I think we had an episode talking about polyamory. And then shortly after we started dating. Um, and then at some point, he told me that he identified as polyamorous. And so it was really neat that I got to explore and understand a whole lot more about polyamory. And through the process, I've realized that I personally am not polyamorous. I don't identify with that label. Um, I want a committed husband one day and I want us to have like um, emotional intimacy uh, monogamous. And I believe I do want to have the opportunity with him to open up our relationship physically with other with other humans. However, um, I don't know if, you know, that might be in the form of threesomes or, or more, right. It might be us playing with other partners together, or, um, maybe we go off and do things on our own, but polyamory, as I've learned so much about it, I realized like, it's just not what I want. Um, it's not something that, um, really excites me, um, or delights me. And I, I think it's so neat and fascinating to learn about anything and everything and the way that different people live their lives. Um, and I think the cool thing is like, we don't have to be afraid of learning about new things y'all. Right. <laughs> um, we can learn about these new things. We can try out new things. And I got to try that out with him and, uh, it wasn't, it was not for me. Although <laughs> here's the first backhanded slap. I wouldn't call his lifestyle polyamorous. He's just a hoe. He's just a fucking hoe. <laughs> and no shame. No shame. I've been a slut, but um, that's not what I want to be in a commit. Like, that's not what I'm looking for is I, I don't want a, a side hoe that I call my partner, um, which is basically what I got. So um, there were. <laughs> In fact, I got like less benefits than everyone else, but you know, that's besides the point. So, um, let's see. I, <laughs> okay. First funny story I wanted to tell you here. This is the real moment. I knew that we were probably fundamentally incompatible. Um, <laughs> this happened back in... March, I want to say. Yeah, I think it was March because so it was very early on, right? Uh, so <laughs> the moment I knew that we were probably fundamentally incompatible was when we had planned a FaceTime. And just so you all know a little bit about me, I really, um, 
quality time is my primary love language. So when I commit to spending time with someone, like I follow through with it and I expect the same from them. And when they don't follow through with it, it really hurts a lot. It hurts on a deeper level than maybe other people are hurt by, um, you know, someone like changing, canceling their plans and not spending that time with them. So I already happen to be very sensitive to that. And um, we have planned this FaceTime. I'm out at brunch with friends. I tell them like, hey, I have to leave at noon or whatever it was so that I can get back home in time. I have this FaceTime planned with this guy that I've just started dating. So um, I get home. I get there like just in the nick of time and I'm ready to FaceTime. Well, 15 minutes beforehand, he had texted me and said, hey, I'm running a few minutes late. Do you mind if we push it to um, like, do you mind if we push our our FaceTime till 15 minutes after we had planned? So like 1.15, I guess. And I was like, no, 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 no problem. That's fine. We we can do that. Thanks for the heads up. Right. So I go and do other things when I get home. 12.15 rolls around. Nothing. I text him. I'm like, hey, I'm ready when you are. Do, 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 do. He's not. He's not there. He's not available. I'm like, hmm, this is weird. Okay, well, hmm. And I'm like sitting there. I'm like, I'm sure he's gonna call any minute. <laughs> like twenty minutes, twenty five minutes after, I get another text. Thanks so much. I'll be on in just a few minutes. And I'm like, okay, well, do you need more time? Because if you need more time, just let me know. And that way I can go and do other things. Oh, no, no, no. I um, I just had to journal and I'll, um, I'll get on in a few minutes. Okay, cool. So around like 1.30, I guess it was. And I'm sure I'm not remembering the timeline exactly perfectly. But... Um, so come for me, <laughs> but basically he was 30 minutes late to, um, our FaceTime call. And when we get on there, he's like, oh, thank you. You know, I had to journal. It's part of my morning routine. I really had to do this. So otherwise my whole day is thrown off. I'm like, okay, okay. Right. We're talking, we're talking like an hour goes by. Right. And then he decides he's going to tell me about his morning. <laughs> Oh, boy. So, he tells me that that morning, he had two guys over from Grindr, and they had a threesome. And then, he was going to start journaling. However, a jogger was in the area and sent him a message, and he could not pass up this delicious opportunity. So, he had another experience And then he needed to journal because without journaling, he can't start his day right. And then here he is talking to me. (laughs) So look, y'all, again, I am not slut shaming. Like, go you. Get whatever you want. And I fully, like, honestly, I encourage you to have whatever sexual experiences you want and however many you want. But with respect, with fucking respect, that was not respectful to have a threesome and then another dick sucker over and then a man to journal about it. I'm thinking, what, what did that journal entry consist of? 
like measurements or something. I don't even know, y'all. I do not know. <laughs> but that is not being polyamorous. <laughs> it's not. Polyamorous includes having a love and respect for your partners. And it requires a whole shit ton of communication. It requires really clear expectations and boundaries. It's like the Olympics of of relationships, I guess. So, if that's something you're interested in, polyamory, you got to be ready to have lots of uncomfortable conversations. Um, and acting like that, FYI, to label that polyamory is insulting to people who are polyamorous um, and insulting to your partner who's been sitting around waiting for you. <laughs> oh, my God. The funny part was I was hanging out with a friend like a few days later and she's like, you know, wants to hear about how it's going. And I, I tell her that and she goes, what? Oh, my God, I hate him. <laughs> we hate him, Alex. Get rid of him right now. And I was like, Ugh. you know, she's like, why the fuck? Like, no, you don't get treated like that. That is not. No, uh, uh-uh. call it. And here's the thing. I knew that. She was right. I knew it was going to end eventually, but I wasn't ready for it yet. And you'll see in my next little, um, well, actually two lessons from now, but I'll tell you about like my addiction to self-improvement, which I think, well, not think, I know for sure played into me stretching this relationship out longer than um, that big red flag right there that we were fundamentally not on the same page about what we wanted together. Um, okay. Second thing, we triggered each other a lot, like a lot, a lot. And I actually cried the first time we had sex, which I thought was a good thing at the time. Um, but the thing that I didn't realize was that I let go and allowed myself to cry for a, like, it had to do with a toxic pattern, Um, The night before we had sex the first time, we had a conversation about how he just leaves when he's not okay with the relationship. Like, he literally just said he, you know, if he's just not okay with it, he will just leave. And this abandonment pattern is something that's really familiar to me. And it's honestly like a, a, a fear that I have from childhood that when I'm in relationships that are more intimate, that I'm going to be abandoned. Um, and my nervous system continually gets activated thinking like, oh my gosh, he's going to abandon me. And I do a lot to try to protect myself from being abandoned. And um, when he had told me that, I thought, well, this is great. I don't have to be afraid of being my full self because being my full self, if it hurts him, he'll just leave. And I kind of deserve that anyway. So it's this weird like twist between my fear of abandonment that was activated there and then kind of like a just justifying it. Like, yeah, the, that's okay for you, for you to just up and leave um, if it's not working for you. Um, but also, I am a very powerful person and I know that and one of my fears 
can that gets activated in relationships is that I'm going to accidentally kind of steamroll people. We've talked about that too in an episode on here, but um, knowing that I think allowed me to then see him as being capable of sticking up for himself. I knew that he, I could see him as empowered and able to leave, which gave me permission then to be my full self. Because if I hurt him, it would be okay. He would take care of himself. It wasn't like he was just going to stick around and let me continue to hurt him. So what I noticed like on the other side of that is that, you know, out here, like, okay, well that neither of those are very helpful, useful thoughts. Now I do want to be with someone that speaks up for themselves. Absolutely. But do I want them to just straight up abandon me? Hell no. In fact, that's a very emotionally immature response, right? To just leave and not have a conversation about how, hey, this thing is not okay with me in this relationship. Um, we need to talk about it. Uh, so this was not a secure relationship. Um, that is not safety. And I had kind of played this puzzle game in my head thinking that it was safety. And so when we had sex the first time, um, I actually was thinking about that and about how I could just be my full self. I could just really let go because I knew that um, if me being my full empowered self was hurtful or annoying or anything to him, he would, he would leave. And so I felt kind of empowered to just be me. And um, there was also the, one of my sensitivities of support was really activated Um, again in a, twisted toxic way that wasn't really helpful in the long run but um i released and i just cried and i've never cried during sex before that or after that um so that was a really neat thing um that was a really neat experience i'm so thankful that he provided that opportunity for me that we had that moment together um i do appreciate it i'm really glad we had that and um now that I understand so much more in hindsight, like, do I want someone that I can release and cry with? Hell yeah. Do I want the basis for that feeling of support and empowerment to be um, the fact that they're going to just straight up abandon me <laughs> if the relationship isn't going right? Um, fuck no. That's... That is not who I want to date. I want to date someone that's emotionally immature. Emotionally immature. Oh my god! <laughs> no, someone who is emotionally mature and can have difficult conversations, um, such as "Hey, this isn't working for me." Okay. As I said a few minutes ago, my addiction to self improvement. Another lesson learned here in the relationship. Um. I've been reading this book recently, so good. It's called Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents by Lindsay C. Gibson. Totally look that up. Um, I'm listening to it on Audible. It's wonderful, wonderful. But she describes in there um, a pattern that, you know, when children are kind of playing that emotional caretaker role for their parents... Um, some internalize and some externalize problems. So externalizers tend to look at the world as being problematic and needing to be um, needing to be fixed in order for them to be okay emotionally. And internalizers do the opposite. We tend to look into ourselves and see how we can 
improve ourselves and uh, change ourselves in order to make the world okay, right? Which goes back to childhood and like, if I can just behave perfectly, then mom and dad will be okay emotionally. And if they're okay emotionally, then they'll meet my needs. So... A lot of us that have that, I'm, I'm going to imagine, first of all, that many of you, the majority of you that are listening, are those internalizers because you're here listening to this podcast, wanting to improve yourself and your life. <laughs> you're an internalizer, most likely. Um, and what we tend to do, you and I, is get addicted to self-improvement and think that Anything, any problem in our life is just a matter of us figuring out the puzzle and fixing ourselves. And then when we fix ourselves, the whole thing solves itself, right? Everything's okay. And so in the relationship, I was doing a lot of self-growth that I am so glad I had this relationship to do this stuff because it was very much like a hyper-speed version, because there were so many times that I was activated emotionally, that I was triggered, that my childhood wounds were coming up in this relationship because we were fundamentally incompatible, spoiler alert. Um, but I was constantly speaking up and asking for what I wanted. And I was asking to the point that it was clear that my needs and his abilities or his desires were not compatible. What I needed in a partnership and what I desired in a partnership, he just was not doing. Um, and I wanted to just point out with that, that <laughs> it's, it's okay that he didn't, that he wasn't capable of meeting my needs. It's, oh, it's okay that I also was not capable of meeting his needs. That's why we knew in the end that this was not meant to be. Um, and I did specifically mention an instance on the, um, you know, a couple months ago on the podcast about how I was so proud of myself for uh, a day that I was feeling really low and I really felt like I needed some support. I sent him a message and was like, Hey, could you just send me a text? Just encouraging me. I love that I got to do that. And I loved that he responded. And so when you learn to speak up for your needs, often you will start getting it. You really will, my friend. And that's why like, this is essential for the dating process to be able to have the confidence to speak up and ask for your needs. And also, if someone is consistently not meeting it, and really the only time they meet it or kind of meet it and maybe like half-ass meet it is when you're asking for it, then that's a pretty good indication that it's unnatural for them to meet these needs, that it's not really easy for them, that they're not really getting to be their full self, and that when they are their full authentic self, it's not really a good match for you. Um, so absolutely keep doing the thing, keep learning how to speak up for yourself and keep, you know, doing, repeating the three steps, the, the three steps that I talk about in the first three episodes in order to 
be uncomfortable, speak up for yourself and have your own back on the other side. But also realize if you're exhausting yourself, constantly speaking up for your um, desires in a relationship, the other person probably is not a great match for you. And that's okay. You can be very proud of yourself that um, you, you stuck up for yourself and there's another relationship, my friend. I promise you there's another relationship where you will only gently have to do some redirects of speaking up for yourself. Like you're just going to be, Oh, Hey, I like this better. Um, I would like it if you, um, did this thing for me and the other person will just jump in and do it consistently. Um, someone that's compatible. I mean, they'll jump in and be able to actually hold you in that space instead of what was going on with me and this guy where I was just constantly asking him to do things different than he was for me. Um, And so that brings me into like shit that I did that was probably really painful for him. I asked a lot of him, which was, and (laughs) asked him for things that he wasn't doing naturally a lot. And that was probably discouraging for him. I would have been annoyed if someone was constantly asking me to do things differently. And this ended up being the main reason that I broke up with him because I didn't feel like it was fair of me to keep asking for him to act differently than he was. Um, It had reached the point where I was like, this is, you know, it's just not you being you. I'm not. And I, I don't want to be with, I don't want to be with him as he is authentically and naturally. Um, Another thing that he mentioned to me that was really painful was I wanted to be in the deep end of the pool. He really wanted to be in the shallow end of the pool. And I think that's a great metaphor and something that you can also use really well with your partners to find out where they are. Um, He came up with that metaphor. I'm not going to take credit for that. Uh, But like, I like to talk about the deeper things of life. I like to talk about when we're, you know, when I'm in relationship with someone, I like to talk about the deeper things um, in the relationship. I like depth. I'm not afraid of it. And it is exciting to me. It's thrilling for me. Um, It provides me a lot of joy and excitement and a sense of connection. And he really didn't. He really liked to keep things in the shallow end. He felt like I was rushing things all the time. And I'm so glad he shared that with me. And I do, you know, comparatively, I do rush things. Um, And so knowing that about your partner can be really helpful because you can figure out, okay, is there a way that you can also accommodate them? Can you um, find somewhere in the middle ground? And the, the thing is, I was so activated emotionally all the time. I kept going to that deep end for safety, which then triggered him. And he kept doing other behaviors that then would trigger me. And we were just triggering each other back and forth. It was unhealthy. Um, And again, going back to that point about being an internalizer, the more I got triggered in the relationship, the more I looked for ways that I could improve myself and like know myself better and understand more about my myself and my triggers by being triggered. And I think there's a really healthy way that we can do that, where we can go into scenarios where we are triggered, but there has to be safety. It's kind of like riding a roller coaster, right? There's the thrill that we get from the roller coaster, but if we don't have the safety of the lap belt, 
then it's no longer, oh, yay, I get this scary feeling in my stomach, like, oh, my God, I almost died. It's, oh, my God, I got this scary feeling in my stomach that I almost died because I legit almost did die because there's no fucking lap belt on this roller coaster. (laughs) So we need the safety. We That is essential to any healthy, intimate relationship. Um. Here's some issues that I discovered in myself. I wanted to write these down and share them. Um, I was highly suspicious, and that's kind of a a shadow side to my curiosity. Um, I'm very curious. I love learning about anything and everything, especially the more dark and taboo it is, the more I'm curious about it. But I also was very um, suspicious of him and where he was spending his time uh, because I really felt like, oh, you're constantly hooking up with other people and I'm not getting my needs met over here. Hello, hello, hello. And so I was kind of checking his timeline when he would tell me, not kind of, I was, I was checking his timeline when he would tell me stories about his day and then noticing all these weird gaps in our texting pattern. And... um my intuition was telling me that he was sleeping with other guys. He wasn't telling me he wasn't, but he also wasn't telling me he was. Um, Turns out I was right. (laughs) He did admit that to me in one of our last conversations. But my question for myself is why did I stay in the relationship when I was so suspicious? Because suspicion isn't curiosity. It closes doors. And I was simultaneously closing my heart, building a story, not telling him about it, and building resentment. Um, So in the future, I need to shit or get off the pot. You know, I need to either bring it up when I feel that suspicion, when my intuition is going off, or realize that this is just a very unhealthy dynamic um, and that my suspicion is kind of being brought out because I'm being triggered a lot. And... It's a signal that whoever I'm with is just not fostering feelings of safety for me. So notice that like when your shadows are constantly brought out, then maybe that person isn't just a learning scenario for you. Maybe also they're just fundamentally not right for you. Um, And then another question I had for myself and for you, if you are like me in that self-development kind of loop why would you make your your romantic relationship one of the life scenarios where you are constantly triggered and working on yourself? I want it to be quite a bit easier than that. Let's let's have some other scenarios that we can optionally go in and out of much more easily versus our intimate romantic relationship being one where we're triggered. Let's let's we're going to be triggered, y'all. We got wounds. We're going to be triggered at some point or another. However, we don't need to be con- like triggered on a consistent basis with the closest human in our life. Um, signs, other signs that it wasn't working were all included heart palpitations every time I got a text from him. <laughs> if you're getting that, my friend, it might be a sign that there's some insecurity being activated, some anxiety at play here. Um, and my other favorite were when was when he mentioned out of the blue um, that he doesn't play games, which I have learned, y'all, and whew, God forbid I forget this lesson, that anytime someone voluntarily 
mentions to you that they are not XYZ. 99.99999% of the time, that actually guarantees that they are XYZ. And I have had that happen way too many times in relationships where I've, someone has told me, I'm not fill in the blank. I'm not into fill in the blank. I never fill in the blank. And without a doubt, they did whatever that fill in the blank thing was consistently. So, <clears throat> warning. <laughs> uh, um, here's my advice for you. And this is, if you want it, as always, take it or leave it. But break up when you know and work through the emotions afterwards. Don't wait until it feels easy and like you feel it's all settled. You never will. Breakups hurt. Yes, this hurt. It did hurt in the moment. It was really uncomfortable to tell him, hey, this is not working for me. Here are the major things that I'm looking for in a partner and you're just not doing them. Um, and I feel like I keep asking you to be different than you are. And this is just not, it's just not working. And I appreciate you, but yeah, when you know it's not going to work, that's the time to just start building your nut of safety that you can fall into on the other side. Maybe it's a conversation that you're going to plan on to have with a close friend. You know, that's what I do (laughs) when I break up with someone like I always go um, or when I'm broken up with, like I will always uh, go and spend some time with a close friend and just talk it out with them so that I can really process through because that's the way that my nervous system processes through everything the best. Um, But you could do whatever you want. Maybe your go-to is like a bowl of ice cream and Netflix Whatever it is that is really taking care of yourself and reminding yourself that you are okay, you are safe, you are lovable, um, do that thing. Take care of yourself, build a plan to have safety on the other side, and then go do the fucking breakup. Have that conversation. You can do it. I know you can. You're going to be fine. You're going to live. Um. And, you know, within three weeks, maybe even less after the breakup, I was completely okay. Like, completely okay. Um, And you can be, too. That's all I want to say about that. (laughs) Uh, The beautiful thing, y'all, the beautiful thing about dating is we get to know our needs so much better. So would I change anything about what happened? No. Actually, without it getting as wacky as it did, I wouldn't have learned the same things about myself. I'm thankful I went through it. I never want to go through it again. I don't ever want to have to uh, experience those lessons to that degree again. But... um Everything that hurt me in that relationship also helped me. It helped me know myself better. It helped me know my needs. It helped me know my boundaries. And everything that I did that hurt him, I unintentionally hurt him and I intentionally hurt him at times too. It helped me know myself better and see the ugly things that I would have preferred to keep hidden from myself. And now that I see those shadows, now I can understand, I can still love myself and... 
I can say, hey, I'm not okay with treating people that way. And so I know that I treat people that way out of a defense. So let's not get to that point. And shame, you all know, is never a useful tool for change. So not to shame yourself when you realize that you've done some things you don't like, um, but rather to sit with that. Yeah, I really don't like that. That's a shitty thing of me to do. And I'm going to do different in the future. Um, okay. <laughs> to lighten the mood a little bit. Um, I just really have to tell you the, the end of the relationship because it is quite funny. So strap in or strap on <laughs> and, and get ready for this silly story. Um, we had had a conversation about things that like not working well about a week before I broke up with him. And the following day he came over and <laughs> his, um, I just have to paint the picture for you all. Okay. He's got a mustard yellow hoodie on, um, with the kangaroo pouch, like packed to the brim. He looks fucking pregnant. And as we we sit down um, on the bed and start talking, he starts pulling all kinds of things out of his kangaroo pouch. He's got um, a vape. He's got poppers. He's got lube. He's got cock rings. He just, like... <laughs> Shit just kept coming out like a magician, you know, like pulling the the handkerchiefs out of their sleeve. Oh, my God. I was like, how much did he bring over? What the fuck? Also, we just had this very intense conversation uh, 24 hours ago. I don't think I'm ready for a whole circus right now. <laughs> um. Then he proceeds to um start stripping down, and he tells me... <laughs> Y'all, I bought him a, a jock strap as like a sexy gift, and we were supposed to like have some sexy time in it months before I moved to San Diego. But uh it never happened. He never wanted to plan anything, so it it just never happened. Um, so anyway, he strips down, and what is he wearing? The jock strap that I gave him. Yay, bingo. The first thing he tells me, y'all, is do you recognize this? Yeah. Well, several other guys have seen me in it and fucked me in it. So I figured it was about time that you got to see me in it live. <laughs> like... <laughs> Is that supposed to turn me on? <laughs> like, uh, okay, thanks for the info. Um, didn't need to know that, really. Don't, not turned on, not turned on. And some people are very turned on by that. Go you, not me. <laughs> It was turned all the way off. Any boner I was starting to get in it, get was like, mm -mm, no. 
And then he wraps it, puts his leg, we're sitting on the bed facing each other, right? So he puts a leg on either side of me and he starts doing sit-ups. Not kidding. Nope. He starts doing sit-ups. Um, what are you doing? I asked. I'm <gasps> improvising. <sighs> Just go with it. <laughs> Like, what in the hell is this man on? Like, I thought he was just smoking weed, but um, what the fuck is this, like, circus act in my bed right now? That He's, like, doing somersaults. Like, I don't even know. I cannot keep up. And then at one point, he, like, flips his legs above his head, sticks his asshole in my face, and is like... What do you think of this? (laughs) Um, To which I very awkwardly was like, oh, that's nice. (laughs) Anyway, then the conversation kind of, I don't know, it went... It went all kinds of ways that would just made me even more uncomfortable. He started talking about weird stuff about be like being seven, and I, I like, I don't know, not to like reveal all his personal information, but I was like, oh my god, this sounds like some childhood uh, things that need to be worked out in some serious therapy. Um, yikes! But he's like talking about this, like I'm, like I'm literally, I'm felt like I was talking with an actual seven-year-old. And then I'm like, well, I'm going to get something out of tonight, right? So I said, can I have a back rub? He's told me all about how good he is at a back rub. Y'all could have draped spaghetti on my back and just moved that around. It would have been more satisfying. (laughs) These are like the gentle little just finger touches. It was like not even a rub. I don't even know it was horrible. It was the worst back massage I've ever had in my fucking life. Um, then I gave him a great back massage, and he's like, oh, when I turn my head from side to side, it changes the feeling. Again, I'm like, oh my god, how high are you? Which I didn't ask, and in hindsight, like, I really wish I did. I want to know what substances he was on, because he was on another fucking planet, y'all. Oh my god, whatever it was. I don't do drugs, but... um. Whatever he was on, I guarantee, like, any of you that do do drugs, like, you want it. It was good stuff. It was, he was gone. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was the last time he tried to have sex with me. Um, and a few days later, uh, is when I broke up with him. I was like, yeah, um... That was not, I'm I'm not, no, not into that. Thank you very much. Um, We are not compatible. Um, (laughs) And basically what I did for that conversation is I I figured there were like three things that I'm really looking for in a relationship. And they included like stability, consistency. And so I told him like, hey, these are the things that I'm really looking for. Um you're not really doing those things and it's okay. It's not, it's not that there's a problem with you, but I'm just not getting these needs met in this relationship. And so this isn't for me. I don't want to continue here. Um, and that is the point of dating, right? That is the point of dating to, it's not that you have to do courtship. Like I learned in, um, church, um, 
and know that you're going to get married before you even start dating. No, like you date people to get to know them and to get to know yourself and to see if it works, if it works well, where you both thrive and get to be your most authentic, amazing selves by being with each other or not. And if not, then great. It's not compatible because you're not both being your most amazing natural selves. Um, and then one other thing I wanted to share with you, um, we met like a week after I broke up with him and he decided it was important for him to share this long, like five plus minute dissertation with me, which he read to me. It was basically a list of all the ways in which I had disappointed him in the relationship. Um, (laughs) you know, glad he got that off his chest. Um, but my favorite parts, uh, which like really actually um, hurt me at the time. <laughs> um, my favorite part was I had high expectations for this relationship because you're a coach and everything, but I see now that you are a deeply wounded human under the guise of self-development. Now, at the time, that did sting because I had a fear that, oh my gosh, I need to be so much more perfect and I need to not be wounded. I need to be this, like, I don't know, like mentally elevated, emotionally elevated being that can be an example for others because I'm a coach. So, he hit the nail on the head there. Like he was right. I am a deeply wounded human that I'm scared to show sometimes, oftentimes actually. And yeah, I am under a guise of self-development. Yes. I am very deeply wounded. Yes. I have a lot of childhood trauma and yes, I am constantly self-developing, constantly working on myself. Um, sometimes like an excessive amount and, I love getting to know myself better now. And what I've been leaning into more is getting to know myself and understand my wounding out of a love for myself instead of out of a place of needing to fix, you know, me as a problem. Uh, And so actually I find that sentence so empowering now. It is true. It's true of all of us. We are all deeply wounded humans and we're all trying to do our best you and I are on an intentional journey of self-development here. I know that because you're listening to this podcast, you are on an intentional journey of self-development and it'll never end. My friend, it'll never end until we die. There's no destination. So let's celebrate about ourselves. that We've chosen this more difficult, scary road that we've chosen the self-development because we could just be deeply wounded and not working on it. Oh <laughs> uh, my gosh. Okay. You might be thinking after hearing all of this, like, oh my God, why did you date him? Well, he's right. I am deeply wounded human under the guise of self-development. My deep wounds allowed me to excuse things that I truly did not want as okay behavior. And my guise of self-development had me gaslighting myself into using this relationship as a way to keep growing. So I guess he hit the nail on the head. That's exactly why I was with him. (laughs) 
And truly, honestly, thanks for pointing that out, dude. I needed to hear that. (laughs) Okay, my unicorn. I'll see you next week, you deeply wounded human. Keep up the self-development. Oh, and I nearly forgot. I've got some really exciting new stuff coming up, so make sure you're on my email list if you want to get access to all of the goodies. The link will be down in the show notes for you. Okay, that's it. I'll see you next week. If you enjoyed this episode, don't keep it to yourself. Share it with a friend so they too can become more confident. You can also help more people find the show by leaving a five-star review wherever you listen. And if you want to become a more confident queer with support from yours truly, head to coachalexray.com or use the link down in the show notes. I'm looking forward to working with you.